Welcome to the Maritime Executives Podcast Series, In the Know. I'm Tony Munoz, Editor-in-Chief. Our Executive Corner Podcast will provide conversations with top executives concerning events and issues that are shaping our industry today. We will also bring you up to speed with the latest news and editorials covered by the Maritime Executive. For this edition of the Maritime Executive Magazine Podcast Series, I'm joined by Ivy Suter, an alumnus of the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, and Captain Jim Tobin, the president of the USMMA Alumni Foundation. Jim, Ivy, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? To start off, do you think you could tell us a bit about the new public relations campaign that you've launched? We've been playing defense for a while now uh, with all that's been going on at the academy and, and uh, in the past two years, and we felt it was time now to uh, start putting out some positive uh, information out about the academy. And we decided to do this image campaign uh, many, many months ago. And we hired our, uh, our public affairs firm, Edelman, to assist us with it. And we put a team together to determine how we would go about doing this. And the start of the campaign was with an extensive uh, research polling group that we used to talk to members uh, on the Hill, uh, the decision makers, staffers, members of Congress, et cetera, and got what their uh, perception of the academy is, what was favorable, how much did they know, and what was important to them. And that's really where it's it's aimed at, is that group. And being the... uh, that the, the decision makers on the Hill are the ones that sign the checks to keep this place going. We're hoping they understand that their money is uh, important because if there's no relevancy to the academy, then there's no reason for Congress to fund it with our taxpayer money. So we're trying to show to them how important this institution is to the United States and therefore uh, their appropriations of taxpayer money is, is a good choice and a wise decision. Now, it does have a lot of ancillary value to it. We could use it for other things, but that, that was number one why we started this campaign to bring up the, the image of the academy in the, in the eyes of those decision makers who have authority and control over the academy. And one of the interesting things we found out was the more that those individuals learned about the academy, the more favorable we became in their eyes. So that was that was really the thrust of the campaign. One of the things that we always said uh, when we went to the academy and ever since was that the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy is one of the best kept secrets. And I think that plays into this. We have a great program, a great school. We graduate tremendous people, but nobody knows about it. And, um, and so I think that's an underlying current uh, about us and what this campaign uh, will accomplish. And I know we're going to get into women later on, but just getting the message out there to women that there is the academy and it has a great opportunity. So um, that's a little bit of an ancillary comment, but I'm, I'm glad that the message is getting out and it won't be a best kept secret anymore. So this outreach campaign included some DC Metro advertisements. I saw the video that you guys produced. It looks excellent. 
And I hear you also purchased some radio time? Yes, we've advertised on WTOP in Washington, D.C. Uh, and the reason for that is it's that seems to be the radio station that decision makers in D.C. listen to. So we had both morning and uh, drive and afternoon drive time uh, spots there to to hit them. And, we, and we've we've received good feedback that people have heard that heard them. And it's a good, uh, good, good message. So USMMA has seen some pretty significant changes over the course of the past year. Of course, it's uh, secured reaccreditation from uh, the Middle States Commission on Higher Education. And uh, it has a new provost, uh, John R. Ballard. I wonder if you might be able to speak from the Alumni Foundation's perspective on what you think of the recent developments at the Academy. Uh, sure, I'll answer that. Um, very pleased that we actually have now on board a full-time dean provost. Uh, if you read Dr. Ballard's bio, he seems to be a very accomplished academician, and we're excited about having him here. Uh, I've only had the chance to chat with him, uh, running into him on the road here in the, in, on campus, um, so we haven't had a real a good sit-down, how-do-you-do meeting, um, but we're, we're all excited about him being here. I spoke to the faculty and staff members that were on the selection committees, and they were very uh, happy that, that he accepted the position. So we'll see. I think he just officially started last week, so we'll, we, we need to give him time to, to get settled and, and get the lay of the land first. So, But the fact that we have a full-time dean here now is, uh, is good. We, we've needed it for a long time. Uh, there's a lot that this person in that position can do, and we're, we're looking forward to Dr. Ballard being part of the team. As far as the superintendent search goes, um, we are uh, very excited uh, because we know the three finalists are all uh, USMMA graduates, and we know that the finalists are all maritime industry executives with extensive maritime industry experience. So no matter who is picked from the finalists, we are very, very pleased about it, and we hope it sets a trend going forward in the future. Now, the Academy now gets to work with a new maritime administrator, Admiral Buzz Busby, who has extensive experience in the Navy and with civilian crewed military sealift command vessels. I was wondering if you might be able to speak a bit about how this transition has gone and about his leadership now at Marad. Yeah, I can't say enough about having Admiral Busby as the maritime administrator. Uh, the way I put it to people is it's, it's been a gift from God for us, literally. Um, he's, he's just a tremendous individual. He, uh, he understands the big picture. You know, he's not just doing, putting all his efforts into the Merchant Marine Academy. He's putting it into the efforts of the advocacy that the maritime administration is supposed to do. Uh, but he has just been tremendous. His, his work ethic, um, is just been phenomenal. He's all over the place. He's visiting people, talking to everybody. So we look at his, his being the maritime administrator as an incredible positive, not just for this institution, but for the uh, merchant marine as a whole. And I think he can paint the big picture for uh, congressmen and and also 
uh, anyone who would be involved in trying to understand how this industry works and why funding is important because he's been on both sides. He's an academy graduate. He's run uh, military sea lift command. He knows the shortages by ship type, by ship class. He also knows the shortages of trained mariners. And so he can put all of that together, which is also beneficial for the academy in terms of getting funding, not only for its status quo today, but also to get additional funding for more students to enter as uh, to bring the numbers up to what they had been in the past. So it's been more than two years since Marad suspended C-Year and then reinstituted it. Uh, and a lot has changed at USMMA since then. I was wondering if you might be able to speak a bit to those developments. You know, one thing that I'm very happy about is that uh, the C-Year program has now been codified into law. And you probably remember that uh, when C-Year was first being challenged, um, a number of alumni, including myself, had made efforts to get the word out uh, a bit as a grassroots effort. And that raised the whole, uh, that raised C-Year to another level and probably the academy to another level. But we felt so strongly uh, about that program and how mission critical it is that uh, we couldn't conceive of King's Point existing without the Seer program. And one of the, uh, the radio spots has to deal with the, the classroom, which basically says the ship is our classroom. And you know it talks about it very quickly that that's, that's our laboratory. That's how we learn how to be mariners, and that's how we're able to graduate and you know, take command. But I think bringing Seer back and making sure that it's part of the program is the most important development that's happened. Jim, do you think you might be able to speak to the Alumni Foundation's involvement in getting CEER codified into law? Uh, from our presence on the Hill, we've been able to speak with uh, the key staff members on the committees that were helping uh, write up the, the National Defense Authorization Act. And they asked us for our opinions, and, and we gave it to them. And they agreed to see how important that was. And voila, now, now it's in law. So we're very, very happy about that because it'll certainly help us going forward in the future. So since the stand down and since CEER was reinstituted, Merad has implemented some pretty significant changes in how CEER is overseen and how the vetting process for maritime companies involved in the program has been carried out. Would you mind speaking a little bit to those changes? Yes, that's correct. The vetting of the shipping companies to ensure that they're following all federal, state, and local laws regarding uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment, bullying, hazing, etc., uh, is being followed. And now I believe we have uh, 17, 18, maybe 19 companies approved by Marad to take our midshipmen on board that they've met all of those requirements. And what about the changes on campus? Um, it's all been positive that I could see. Um, we do have the sexual assault response coordinator and her team is are being beefed up. So there's more here for the midshipmen to access. I think the midshipmen are starting to feel more comfortable with the processes involved. There's more trust involved. 
Um, so that's all a good good thing. Uh, the midshipmen have embraced uh, a campaign to change the culture here, um, which, as we know, is a problem across all colleges and universities. And I think uh, Admiral Busby had a lot to do with that because when he first came on board, he brought everyone together and he said to the midshipmen, you know, look, it's uh, it's your problem to solve. And they really uh, respected his ideas on this and they have a campaign called B B E K P um which is an inclusive type of environment and and they have meetings regularly so they're all discussing what it is uh to be uh part of this this campus and culture and i think they really grabbed on to the three tenets that admiral busby espouses during his career and those th three things are take care of your people, be a professional, and third, which they really grab onto, be a good shipmate. And that really resonated with the midshipmen. So it sounds like some of the biggest changes at USMMA have actually been student-driven. Yeah, it's not going to work unless it's student-driven. It's as simple as that. You, you could pass down slogans. You could give them all sorts of tchotchkes and t-shirts to wear. But if it's not midshipman driven, it's not going to work. So switching gears a bit, this year is USMMA's 75th anniversary. What would you like to see for the next 75 years at the Academy? I'll let Ivy start on that. <laughs> well, we probably cannot even imagine what technology will be available. But given the technology that we have today, I think our vision would be a stronger uh, U.S. maritime fleet uh, that is a world-class leader uh, and that supports our position as a world-class country. Uh, so not only uh, in military strength, but also in commercial strength. Um, because I think, as you know, the number of U.S. commercial ships, I believe the last count was that there were 81 in commercial operation that could sail internationally. So most of uh, our imports are uh, transported by foreign flag ships, uh, which is fine in peacetime, but it presents a very big problem in time of war when you have to move military assets uh, as required. And so getting beyond that and making our country, bringing it back to strength uh, as a maritime power uh, is something that I believe all of us who are alumni would want to see. And then hand in hand with that is having uh, a sufficiently trained, uh, skilled force of mariners to support that and to really take our place as a number one power in the world. Uh, I would also, from a personal standpoint, like to see the number of women uh, King's Pointers that are graduated increase significantly because I think having that uh, diversity of, of thought and perspective makes King's Point stronger, but would also make the maritime industry stronger. And um, so that's really a personal goal on that one that, that fits right into the overall goal. And as technologies uh, you know, change, in, in dramatic ways that I would 
see Kings Point as a leader of that change in understanding the technology and being able to deliver it uh, as a training mechanism, not only to Kings Pointers, but also to Mariners broadly. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more with Ivy's point about the macro issue of the U.S. Merchant Marine. Uh, This country was founded on the backbone of the U.S. Merchant Marine, um, and the Navy was created to protect that those assets. So the the overall how we have to do better as a maritime nation with our maritime industry is definitely right out there. And again, I couldn't agree more. For me, what I see is uh, along the lines of what Ivy said with technology. I think this institution has to be responsive to the needs of the end user of our product. And to me, there's two end users of our product, and that's the maritime industry and the military. And we have to be very cognizant of what it is they are looking for five years from now, 15 years from now, 75 years from now. And we need to adjust to give uh, the midshipmen here the ability to train and learn those skills that the end users are looking for. And if we can continue to do that, we will continue to serve the nation like we have for the past 75 years, and we will still be relevant to this nation, and therefore this academy will continue to live on like the other academies have for so long. How do young people, prospective USMMA applicants, view the academy and the prospect of a career in the merchant marine? Well, I, I speak to a lot of prospective candidates um, where they're sent our way uh, by people at the academy, by parents, uh, by alums, uh, by the athletic department, the waterfront. They send them to us to speak to them and, and give them a real straight talk about you know what's involved here. And one of the main uh, one of the main points that we have in our favor that some of the other academies don't have are options. You have a lot of options here. Um, we, we do believe that those that come here have a desire to serve and we give them many different ways to serve. Um, so, and nothing wrong with West Point, but if you go to West Point, you better like the army. Uh, you come here, you have, you can also look at the army. You could look at the other branches of service. You can look at the maritime industry, which is a very broad, diversified industry. So there's a number of different ways that they can they can serve, and we play on that desire of them to serve. So we 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 talk that up. So the options are 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 very large. However, we also have to make sure they understand the economics of the maritime industry, and that it goes through highs and lows, um, probably more radically than some other industries. And they know exactly what it is that they are getting into. That there's that for them to make an informed decision, they have all the facts and figures that will help them do that. Well, and to Jim's point, um, you know, the options also include inland waterways, you know, the um, not just the blue water, but also the brown water. And there's a tremendous amount of uh, maritime commerce on those. And then if you go into supply chain and logistics, So going back from the port 
doing intermodal operations, looking at all the rail systems, all the trucking systems, all the uh, warehousing systems, all of that connects to the training that you get at King's Point. And at the same time, uh, as Jim mentioned, you could go into the armed forces, but you can also be uh, in the reserves, which I was, uh, and, and be available if you're needed in time of conflict, but also be able to have a full career that is maritime related. And so um, I think when you present this to young people uh, and they can see the possibilities, the opportunities, and they can see, you know, examples of King's Pointers who have been in all of these roles across uh, many industries, because when you're dealing in transportation, uh, transportation touches most things. So I think we have a powerful message to deliver uh, and also the, the opportunity to really do anything you want. Once you're at sea and you're on that mission-critical laboratory, uh, the confidence that it instills based on the work you're doing and all the observations you're making by uh, kind of being a citizen of the world, it's very empowering. And you can see all the possibilities right there. You don't have to uh, visualize on your own. When you speak with female applicants for USMMA, how do they feel about their opportunities in the merchant marine? Compared with years past, is it easier now to tell them that they'll be welcomed in the industry? Well, during a couple of years ago, um, when we were all uh, coming together and supporting Sea Year, uh, I met a lot of women for the first time that I had not met. So fairly recent graduates that were out uh, actively sailing. Uh, one was uh, a first mate on a, a Crowley ship. And just to listen to these women uh, talk so passionately about what they were doing and to see that you know, from the time I graduated, that women are now a part of, uh, of the industry and that they're so confident, um, they're engaged. And that was something that never existed 40 years ago. And to see them um, so excited about it is what really impressed me and what made that whole effort so worthwhile. I think that I think it's important to mentor women as they're going through the school because in today's media heavy society, you have to really sort out where is truth and, um, and you know, and to be stable in your view of the world. I think that's probably one of the most important things to offer uh, is mentoring and mentoring with graduates who have been there and done that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's turned around quite a bit, especially since Ivy's day. Um, I hear the the midshipmen who are going out to sea and, and getting jobs, uh, and the females are feeling comfortable, they're feeling good, they're looking forward to their careers. So the opportunities are there. It's, it's for them to take it and use that training. And I know that uh, the product that we put out here is tremendous. And uh, the opportunities for women are, are, seem to be just as vast as they are for the men. 
So CEER is a core component of the USMMA educational experience and core component of USMMA's identity. How does it contribute to cadets' preparation and to the academy's reputation in the industry? Well, as you know, I'm a big proponent of the C year. And, and just in response to your last comment, the reason that we have our brand as uh, USMMA Kings Point is that specific training that the midshipman is on a ship with perhaps one other midshipman, perhaps none. And you have a job to do, uh, just as if you were a licensed uh, engineer or deck officer, and you have responsibilities, and you're out there, I mean, you're working pretty much round the clock. You have your duties to do, your watch standing, uh, in the case of uh, engineering, you have a lot of equipment repairs to work on, depending which watch you're on, and then you have your C project to do. So when you have 360 plus days of this kind of training, which is real world, you know, you're sailing, you're shipping real cargo, you're going to ports that need that cargo, you're discharging, you're loading, you're going, you know, you're doing a commercial job. And when you have had that kind of training, um, you know, you're ready to do the job. You, you have gotten that. Uh, as part of the King's Point training. And I will say that there is nothing like it. There's nothing like uh, being on watch when an incident happens and how to respond to it uh, or to deal with people in many different countries. And even though you're a midshipman, you still have to do some negotiations to get things done. Uh, Jim is on the deck side, uh, so he can speak to that. But I would say... That is one of the strongest points of the Kings Point brand. Somebody graduates from Kings Point, you know they have had hands-on experience, they've gotten their hands dirty, they know what to do, and they've seen a lot of tough situations, whether it's just going through really tough seas, you know, sailing across the North Atlantic in the winter, or, or dealing with uh, damage containment. Yeah, I, the, the mission critical C year is really what separates us. It's one thing to learn things conceptually. It's another thing to turn it into real life working experiences. And that's what you get during, your, the, during the C year. You're actually out there working with the crew. They expect you to do what needs to be done. Um, you have to convince them to want to teach you what to get done, and it's incredible. And the way I look at it is, you know, if God forbid I ever need to have my brain operated on, and some people will say I probably need it now, um, I want to make sure that person has actually opened up a skull and operated on a brain. I don't want it that they just have learned how to do it in a book or in a classroom. And that's what we get coming out of here. We're, we're taught leadership, we're taught ethics, we're taught accountability, and then we're taught the real-life world of, of being on a ship, both from the deck side and the engine side. And that training, to me, cannot be replicated or, or done any other way than the way we do it. Well, thank you both very much for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, we, we appreciate that. We appreciate all that uh, your magazine does as well. 
Um, I know I get it electronically, and I, I read it consistently, so we really appreciate that. Well, thank you. Take care. Thanks, thank Paul. Thank you for listening to In the Know, the Maritime Executive Magazine podcast. I'm Paul Benecki. We hope you'll join us again for our next exciting discussion on maritime technology, business, and policy. In the meantime, please visit us online at www.maritime-executive.com for the latest news and views from around the industry.